Wow. Interesting swirl we found ourselves in. <laughs> it's very cool. If you're sitting here and you're like, I have no idea what the heck is going on, me too. <clears throat> but when the Lord moves, I think it's really good to make sure we don't serve a God in our own image. That we, are, we don't have God in a box and we think that we know how Sundays are going to go. Our prayer every week is like, Lord, shatter our boxes, break our agendas. We don't want to get stuck in what we know, how we think things should go. We, we want to follow the Holy Spirit. So even if, here's my commitment is that, thank you, Jeff. Even if we get it wrong, he's so much bigger than that. His presence, I remember years ago, my dad, he preached something that changed my life, actually. He said, it's not about right or wrong, it's about presence. See, because the righteousness of God makes the wrong things right. So you can step out in faith and miss it completely and God can still use it. Are you with me? There's not a pressure on the people of God to get it right. There's just a pressure to, not a pressure, there's just an opportunity to yield, an opportunity to follow Him, an opportunity to risk and be brave. So there was an invitation which my mom released um, to risk. Take a risk. Step out. Be bold. Be brave. Amen? When we were in the worship, you would have felt in... I think it's the second song, we, we hit a, a, a space, uh, and, uh, and suddenly we, the prophetic opened up, and we began to prophesy, and I was looking at the team saying, just go for it, just release whatever the Lord's doing, because we didn't come here to just sing songs, amen? We didn't come here to just to play church, we came here to encounter the living God, to receive everything He has for us, and to actually release it on the earth. Do you know that ecclesia, which is the correct word for, for church biblically, it's actually a governmental word. It means that what we're doing right now, this is a war room for the kingdom of heaven. We, we're learning about that again as, as the people of God because we thought that we came here for ourselves. But the reality is if you catch a revelation of the fullness of the gospel, you won't need to come here for you. You'll come here for him. And when we begin to do that, we shift the environment, not just in this room, but actually in this region. And what, what God wants to do is train the people of God to understand the authority that you carry as a son or as a daughter, that your situation and circumstance does not dictate what you are able to do. Are you with me? Your situation, your circumstance, what you're going through right now, wants to tell you who you are, and it has no right to do so. It's illegal. And you've got to get that zeal and that fire in your heart to say, actually, I know where I'm positioned. I know who I am in Christ. And it doesn't matter what I feel. That's the truth. We always sometimes say these things uh, as Christians where we go like, you know, I'm just not in a good place right now. But the, the Bible says I'm seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ. So I'm always in the, the, the highest place with Him, whether I feel it or not. That's where my spirit man is seated. So my soul sometimes has to learn to come into agreement with who I really am. And the problem with with majority of the Western church is that we don't think we can lead our souls. We think our souls lead us. And so we, we've lost the, the, the disciplines and the practice of speaking to your soul and to your flesh and telling them this is what's happening. Are you with me? Uh, we had a great time on Friday night with our worship team. Uh, just envisioning them for the year and getting excited about what's ahead. And one of the things we shared and communicated was that you were given a physical body for one single purpose, expression. Amen? Amen. You were given a body, a fleshly body, this thing, which is not actually who I am, it's not who you are, it's going to fall away. But you were given this vehicle to communicate on the earth. It's for expression. So I promise you now, with all my heart, and I mean this with absolute love, that you will not stand before Jesus and worship standing still. When you see Him, you, it is impossible for you not to do something. Your body was created for movement, and there's something about movement that tells your soul and your flesh to come into line with truth, right? So like we've been in church before where it's like, no, you know, everybody worships differently. Everybody has their own thing. I get it. Movements can look different. But I promise you, there is no one in heaven standing still just looking at Jesus like, worthy. <laughs> it's just not true because he's wild. When you read the word, Revelation 1, Jesus, you see that Jesus, you're wrecked. You're done. You're ruined for anything else. And I guarantee you, you will not be thinking about dignity. I think, it's, uh, I think it was Todd White who once said, dignity is not a fruit of the Spirit. Like, we're not going after dignity. Dignity is actually what's in the way of me encountering the face of God. Sometimes I just, you've got you to let the Holy Spirit crucify that thing called dignity and say, Lord, I, rather than dignity, I want absolute surrender. I want to be yielded to you. I want to do whatever you move me to do. And when we do that, we begin to release something that's contagious, and it's the zeal of the Lord. See, anything that we do in our own strength when it's our own zeal uh, the Bible is so clear that we actually, we labor in vain. When it's our own strength, when we're trying to do it in our own strength, 
You know, worship in our own strength isn't worship. And the beautiful thing is that God is not looking for your act of worship this morning. He doesn't need your act of worship. He is not an insecure God waiting for you to tell him he's holy and worthy. He knows it, and he has a whole, he has uh, the multitudes in the throne room crying it out every moment of every second. He, he is so, he's so for you that you've got to understand in John 4, he didn't say the Father is looking for worship. He said the Father is looking for worshipers that will worship in spirit and truth. Worshipers, he's after your heart. He is so madly in love with you that there is no way out of this thing. There is no way you can hide from His presence. There is no way you can hide from His love. There is nothing that can separate you from the wild, fierce, furious love of God that is in pursuit of you right now. There is no situation too big or difficult, no disappointment that's too heavy, no sin that's too bad. He's done it all on the cross, and He actually made a public spectacle of the enemy. I don't know if you know that. You should read Colossians. Maybe we'll go there just now. He made a public spectacle of the enemy. He triumphed over them and actually... Put it in their face like, I've done it. It's finished. You're conquered. And so last week I shared that actually the enemy of the gospel is not the devil. The enemy of the gospel is self. It's the flesh. What dignity wants to do is protect your right to yield to your flesh when you were created to yield to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? If the Lord uses the foolish things to confound the wise, I'm excited to be foolish. See, religion wants to control. And so religion makes us think that we actually can criticize, analyze, and have an opinion on what is or what isn't God. And that was never our job. There's been so many times as a family we've just been going back and reminiscing about the history of 24-7 church. If you don't know, we've actually been going for 18 years. We've been in different seasons, and right now we're in a season where God's building something new. And in fact, next week, we're going to celebrate 18 years as a church on Sunday. But um, we were just remembering these times where, I just want to share stories to encourage you. But in 2019, we had a conference uh, called Arise Shine, and we had Finney and Izzy Digicini from Australia. They came over. And I remember the first night of the conference, it was packed out. We had people from all over. I didn't know more than half of the room. Um, and, and there was like people that came in to kind of check it out, like, because if you don't know Finn and Izzy, they're pretty wild, and so sometimes it gets a bit out of hand. You know, it's, it's awesome. And so they had people come on the Friday night, first session. I'll never forget, we start off really well. It's like an exciting first conference session, you know, nice, slick, and smooth. Worship band is just on point. It's like, wow. And then uh, Finney gets up to, to preach, and he just starts to laugh. And he keeps laughing, and he keeps laughing. And at first, like the first, you know, 10 minutes, everyone's kind of laughing, and it's like funny, and hey, I don't know what's going on, but let's all laugh. And then it just doesn't stop. And the, two hours later, we're all still laughing. And I, I'll never forget, God hit the place and, and smashed the spirit of religion. There were people, that, like for the first hour, sitting there so upset, like, what is this, you know, crazy lunatic who's come here? And what kind of church hosts people like this? An hour later, they were on the floor under the power of the Holy Spirit, laughing and weeping. And God was just wrecking them. And yes, there were some people who left really upset, and we never saw them again. And that's, that's what happens when you don't yield to the Holy Spirit. But what was interesting, I remember actually the best memory was my dad trying to get up and close the meeting. First of all, he's sitting. Now, if you, if you know my dad, you just saw him. He's not like, he's not weird, right? He's quite normal. He can be weird in private, but in public, he's actually very normal and he's a very, you know, put together man, manly man, doesn't do weird stuff. Well, my dad was sliding. We, we went like this to, to give him the mic and he was sliding off his seat and he fell onto the floor managed to kind of half get up, and I remember he like tried to close the meeting. I mean, can you imagine two hours of laughing, and it's like, thank you so much for coming, guys. We'll see you in the morning. It was, it was chaos, absolute chaos, yet every single person in that room knew that God was there, and no man got any glory because there was nothing fancy. It was just God moved. Now, that's not the method or the formula, but it's to say God can do anything, and are we ready for Him to do anything? Because that next morning, the Saturday morning, we came in and we wept, there was deep, deep, deep repentance. There was deep wailing. And it was, it was, there was like intercession happening. And there was a prophetic word that came to the church. That night, we began to lay hands on people. And uh, people in this community went into visions and trances. Courtney went into a trance. If you don't know what a trance is, I'm just going to say vision. She went into this vision and she saw this, this like um, monument, if I could say it right, monument. And a group of people came running around her and they said, you came, you came. 
And when she came out of this, she knew she had been somewhere. She had seen a people group. She had seen a place. And for years, she carried this until one day, uh, the Lord put Turkey on our hearts. We began to go to Turkey, and we had on our computers these pictures of um, Ephesus. And Courtney's walking past, and she looks at the computer, and she goes, where is that place? And we said, that's Ephesus. She goes, that's where I went in 2019. I was standing right there at the library monument in Ephesus, and a group of people came together and said, thank you, you came. But she carried that for years. We went to Turkey first time 2021, beginning of 2021. So two years she carried it. Been somewhere, seen a group of people, not knowing where that place is, and just saying, God, when it's time, will you show us? See, we're a supernatural people. The church is called to be supernatural. I promise you now what Joburg needs is a supernatural people. We do not need slick, well-put-together services. And that's no disrespect to any of the churches that are, are doing this because we have so much to learn. And I know we spent some time with church leaders this week, and I was like, wow, I got so much to learn. I know nothing. But I promise you we're after him. We're after Jesus. And maybe this morning what God's doing is he's, he's actually reaching out to touch your heart to say maybe you've been chasing and pursuing the wrong things in this season. Maybe you've, instead of seeking the voice of God, you've presumed, there's been presumption in your heart where you think, of course this must be God. He wants me to have these things. He wants me to do these things. But you never sought His voice in the first place. And so now you find yourself in a place that's dry and, and you're weary and you're tired and you're wondering, where is God and what's happening? And He never left. He's right there. He's still speaking to you. You just haven't been listening to Him. And the, the beautiful thing is He's just inviting you back. You don't have to fix something. You don't have to repair this thing. You don't have to patch it up. You need to return to Him, hear His voice, and begin to walk in obedience. Do you know where obedience starts? It's when you put off the old man and put on Christ. Because you cannot be obedient to Him in your own strength. You need Christ. You need to be clothed in Him. It's the Holy Spirit who leads you in obedience. I remember this is years ago. I can't even remember which conference this was. But we had a time where God just hit the place like there. I, I love those moments. I have to be honest. And, and if you're here and, and maybe this is just to push every religious bone in your body. But if you have a problem with this, I'm sorry. But I love it when you're in a room and God does something that you cannot explain. See, leaders are uncomfortable with that because it's like, how do I explain this to my church? How do I communicate it? I don't think that's the point. I think there are times where God does something and it's actually to get you free from this thing. It's actually to go, you know what? You're not going to understand that thing, so stop trying. Just fix your, ga your gaze on Jesus and receive what He's saying and doing right now. We had a guy... I can't remember who prayed for him. They touched this guy. He fell on the floor and he started swimming. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He was swimming, like breaststroke, on the floor. But he was gone, man. He was not there. Like he, I don't think he knew what his body was doing. And then, and then he went quiet and was like, hey, thank God he's quiet because everyone was like looking and we're like, what do you do with that? Do you pick him up, take him out? No, God's clearly doing something. So we left it. And then the next moment, it's like this quiet, holy moment. And he starts to roar, right? Like, roar, loud, okay? And I promise you, I'm talking myself, growing up in a uh, pastor's family, watch my parents leave the church. I'm sitting there going, this is so weird, so uncomfortable. I'm cringing. Everybody's cringing in the room. And I'm going, I think God kind of likes that. I don't think God is looking to make us comfortable because the Holy Spirit would not be the comforter if His work was comfortable. Why does He have to comfort us? Because I think it gets a little rowdy. I think it gets a bit wild sometimes, and sometimes we can't put it together, and we don't understand it, and we, we've got to make sure that we are not settling as the church for a domesticated presence that makes us feel good about ourselves. We call it the presence of God, but it's goosebumps. And so we come together, and it's domesticated. It's like, I, I, I'm, I'm happy for God to come close enough to make me feel better about my week, but not close enough to make me like Christ. Are you with me? I'm on this journey right now. God is, is undoing me because I, I've been... In this place of like, Lord, teach me the pathways into your presence. Teach me the pathways into the realm of God. And I suddenly I'm going, where do I get this stuff from? Like, I'm trying to find scriptures that where Paul's going like, I, I want to teach you the pathways into the presence of God. He's not teaching that. He's telling you this. He's in you. God is not looking for you to get into his presence. He wants to get into yours. God wants to invade your life, disrupt your life in the best and most holy way and completely flip it upside down so that you live an overflow lifestyle. Your call and responsibility as a son or daughter of God is to release His presence, not to try and find it. 
Are you with me? Like, I, the Lord's just, he's totally undoing my heart because I'm going, why is it that sometimes we feel this responsibility where we've got to come together and find how to get into his presence? Like it's some pilgrimage. What did he do on the cross? He said, it is finished. He didn't say it's kind of finished. He didn't just slightly do it. He finished the whole thing. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. And he ripped the veil in two from top to bottom. Meaning this, he doesn't want to be confined to four walls, inside of four walls where we know how to do things. He's saying, actually, that was the statement and the signal of the release of the glory of God on the earth through the people of God. And he's saying, there is nowhere on earth that's safe for my presence. See, he was never after filling a place. He was always after filling a people. Because the place is coming to an end, but the people are eternal. God is not in the business of filling buildings. He's in the business of filling people. And whatever building we need to get as many people together, there's coming a time where buildings will not work. We will gather on every open space on the streets because the power of God will hit regions and cities. And I promise you, it's time for the church to start to dream again. I just, last night, just as I'm praying with the Lord and, and like just surrendering and laying stuff down, it's like He picks you up and suddenly He's going, will you see what I see? Open your eyes. Stop looking inward. Stop looking at your own life. Stop looking at situation and circumstance and dream with me again. And suddenly something happens in your heart and you read the scriptures and you go, they called them these men who turned the world upside down. They've come here. That's what, that's, that's what God says about you. The reason we don't see the power of God in the church is not because God is withholding and waiting for us to get our act together. It's because we do not see ourselves the way He sees us. We have to believe. We look at these generals in the past and we honor them and love them. And hey, let me tell you, I'm studying them again. They got some serious things wrong. Like, we go, oh, you know, we got to go back. To, I'm like, some of their teachings, just leave them in the past. Just leave them there. They're not good. But I'll tell you what it is. Their life lived for Jesus. That's what's contagious, is looking at these men and going, they were ruthless with saying, I am fully yours. Smith Wigglesworth, only believe. What's the answer to this? Just believe. I need a psychologist. I need a, no, just believe. I mean, think about this man. He would, they would have prayer, prayer times, and uh, the one story blows my mind. They brought a guy in a hospital bed. The healings were happening. They heard about it. They brought this man in a hospital bed. He was dying. He had like hours to live. And the, the doctors are there, and they're going, this is his last hope. We brought him here just out of you know, love for him. Um, will, you, will you pray for him? And Smith Wigglesworth walks up and just punches him in the stomach. Poof. And the heart monitor goes, and he dies. And Smith Wigglesworth carries on. He moves down the line. And the doctors are going, you killed him. Like, we came here to pray for him, and you killed him. And he just carries on. And this is what's crazy, is that as he's ca carrying on down the line, he gets like five or six people down, and this man shoots up out of the bed. <gasps> raised from the dead and completely healed, and he gets up and starts to dance around. If you think that's, that's not so crazy, the one story about this old lady, they bring an old lady up, she's got cancerous uh, gross growths in her stomach. So he walks up, Smith Wigglesworth, and he punches her in the stomach. Bang! And she falls to the ground. Now, this is not a method for healing. Don't go punch people. <laughs> but think about this. He punched, the, he punched the old lady. It's like me taking my gran. Can you imagine this? Take my gran and punch my gran in the stomach. You would attack me. You would beat me up. So he does this. The lady drops. Nothing happens. He says, pick her up. They're like, oh, my God. People are now grumbling. What's going on? They pick her up. Boom. Second time. She drops to the ground. She's wailing in pain. And Smith goes, pick her up. And the, the people start to stand up and they go, hey, you can't do this. What's wrong with you? And he turns to the crowd and he says, I don't tell you how to do your business. Don't tell me how to do mine. Pick her up. And they pick her up and he hits her the third time. And guess what happens? The growth comes out of her body and falls on the ground. That's just savage. <laughs> right? That's wild. Now, I guarantee you, when I studied Smith Wigglesworth, they used to say, the guy's antisocial, he's awkward, you can't have a bra with Smith Wigglesworth. <laughs> he wouldn't even let you bring a newspaper into his house. He said, keep that stuff out of my house. The guy was so given to something. Now, was his methods all right? I don't think God wants you to go punch people. I think God could have healed her without the punch. But here's the thing. He was so radically obedient to the Lord that he was saying, God, you could tell me to do anything. If you tell me to hit that lady, I'll hit that lady. Now, that's like, oh, my word, you know? That's just wild. The point is not the methods. The point is the man. And this is what's, what's moving me. And I've been on this journey for years. And I'm like, God, mercy, help me. Because it's difficult. We live in different times now. Post-COVID is a different world. I'll talk about that in a second.
But I've been on this journey for years where the Lord said there's two ways to go about leading a church or, or journeying a community. There's one, which is you need to learn to be an, an effective leader. You need to learn how to administrate well. You need to learn how to build teams. You need to learn how to uh, designate well and, and all this kind of stuff. There's that way. And then there's another way. Just follow my voice. But that requires you to be on your face, face-to-face with Jesus all the time. Just listen to what I'm doing and I'll build it. So I've been on this, this journey and I thought about something that E.M. Bounds, a man from the 1800s, he wrote something. He said, the church keeps looking for better organizations, better methods, better structures and systems, and God is looking for men and women. We're looking for the methods and God's saying men and women are the method. He doesn't fill structures and systems. He fills people. He's looking for a people who will set themselves apart, consecrate themselves unto the Lord and say, God, possess me. Fill me. You've made a way for me to be face to face with you. Fill me, God. Because when I'm filled with Jesus, I step into a realm that is not sustained by my own efforts or my own striving or my own strength. It is sustained by the currents of heaven. They will take me way beyond where I think I can go. It's the Spirit of Jesus. How do we see the nature of Jesus formed and shaped in us as a people? It's the Holy Spirit. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, you can just give up, give up on the dream now. You will never be like Him without Him. Do you know, it, it takes God to love God. You can't even love Him without Him. Let Him fill you. That's what He's, he's crying out to us as 24-7 and to His church. And He's saying, actually, what I really want to do is fill you. That's what He wants. He wants to fill us. Amen? And so, I, I've been just processing with uh, our, our team and talking through certain things because we're only... First weekend in February, and uh, January was a long year, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've had so many conversations with so many of you in the last couple of weeks, and this year was different. A lot of people started out, and it's like we got to the end of January, and people are already discouraged. Lack of hope, just like, man, I don't know if I can do this. Stressed, anxiety, depression, all these different things. I, I, and so I'm like, okay, Lord, that's interesting. Like normally, you know, January is the month where, yes, the, the finances are tight, the bank account is tight, but we normally have quite a bit of hope and zeal and we've got so many New Year's resolutions and we want to do things. And, and I've just seen such a lack of that and, and it's amazing because something has shifted where self and the flesh, the fleshly carnal man is so loud right now. And we've also come out of a, a, a period of time with COVID where we were in survival mode, a lot of us. A lot of us didn't know how to deal with it. And so there was certain mentalities and mindsets that came with that. And, and, and now suddenly we start a year out and we're not in lockdowns. And there's nothing that's, that's now trying to dictate or say those things. And so we're trying to figure out what's normal life again. And times have changed. We know it doesn't feel the same. If I look at 2019, the end of 2019, I look at now, the world is a different place. So when I read 2 Timothy 3, and, and it's a description of, uh, of actually what, what's going to happen in the church in the last days, that men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They will they'll be given to the flesh rather than given to God. And it says they'll have a form of godliness, but it's devoid of power. So this is not, the, this is not just the spirit of the age. This is Paul saying, hey, you're going to start to see in the church a, a religious form of godliness that's devoid of power and it's going to be completely self-centered. It's just in the Bible, right? That's not me being negative. That's, that's actually just the word. And so when, when, we, when we go into these things, we pray, we say, okay, Lord, what protects us as a people from getting sucked into that mindset in that way? Well, it's face-to-face with God. It's what you're looking at. It's what, you, it's what you choose. And can I just say this? With all the love in my heart, it's going to cost you. And it's going to feel like a cost at first until you see Him again and again and again. And the more you see Jesus, the less it feels like a cost. The less it feels like a sacrifice. And the more it's your joy. It's my joy to lay my life down for you, Jesus, because you did it for me. If we didn't learn during COVID, your salary is not your source. It's just funny how we went through a time where everything was shaken and suddenly it was like, oh my word, life's falling apart. Then it all comes back to normal and we want to put our faith back in that system. But the system crashed and that was a small glimpse of what's coming. Babylon falls. You don't want to put your faith in Babylon. You want to be a supernatural force to be reckoned with, where you have the full access to all the riches of the Father. Everything you need is in Him. See, there's something about a people that are living from a different dimension, that are living from a different realm. They're crazy. Maybe the world needs a little bit crazy. 
It needs some, some crazy people to have some faith and some guts to actually dream again. Yeah. We're getting there. Thank you. Wow, that took a while. You're welcome to do that at any time. Can you open this for me? I'm sharing this because I, today in the worship was like something was shifting. Something was shifting. It's the prophetic. It's like, let's, let's, let's come away from this, the, the systems that we know. Let's come away from familiarity. Can you just picture this? Sorry, when, when we were singing about the Lion of Judah, I just I, all of a sudden had this like holy fear of God moment. Like, he's not a lion, okay? He's the Lion of Judah, right? So there are characteristics of a lion, but he far surpasses that. He's, he's Christ. So now I'm going, if, a, if an actual physical lion came into this room, I would... Have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like there, that's <laughs> too late. Yeah. The, the fear of, of that lion would come in like he could, that lion, I'm, I'm now out of control. Right? So the lion of Judah, when he sets the pace, when he comes into the room, when he's breathing and he's looking and he's leading us, the fear of God comes over us as a people to say, God, everything I am is yours, whatever you want. And that was starting to happen in the worship where you could feel the stirring of like, whoa, I don't have words for this. I don't know how to explain this. I'm not exactly sure what's happening right now, but all I know is that God's here and we should probably follow. You get me? We have this name, 24-7 Church. And... My parents planted the church 18 years ago. They called it 24-7 because the, the heart of God in, in, in why we started this church was never to have great Sunday-centric uh, movements of people that, you know, if I can say it like this, you don't belong to the church because you come on a Sunday. It's never been about that. You belong to the church because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and we're one in Christ. But what that does is it leads us into an overflow lifestyle. It should be a problem in your heart if Sunday is the only expression of church in your life. It should be a problem in your heart. It should, it should upset you. Because we're talking about two hours on a Sunday where you don't even get to really do the things. That's not what these times are about. These times are for Him. But actually, this is why God's after worshipers is that the worshipers actually leave the gathering and go out into the world. And then they do life. And they're called to live an overflow lifestyle where the presence of Jesus can spill out. Where you release it. You know, we, we know we're about nations as a church. And we, we've got regions and countries and places on our hearts. But we live in one. <laughs> we live in a nation with, with more people groups in this nation than in most others. And you're engaging with them every day. And this, this stirs my heart because I'm going, Lord, I want to live an overflow lifestyle. If you put me in Afghanistan or if you put me in Johannesburg, you get the same Jesus flowing from my life everywhere that we go. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't just come from a, a good sermon. And I'm talking to myself. This is, this is for us. I'm just sharing from my heart. A good sermon today, me, me provoking you, getting you excited, stirring your heart. You're going to wake up tomorrow morning and, and the same thing you left on Friday will be waiting for you tomorrow morning. And then what? See, Sunday services is not going to fix your life. Church is not going to fix your life. It's not what church was given to the earth for. The local church is the vehicle for the kingdom of God to be advanced, but I just want to encourage you that you are the local church. Now, is there godly government and all those things, and are there structures? Of course there are, but the, the purposes of the structures of heaven in, in the church is actually to steward and facilitate a flow and a movement of God on the earth. That's the responsibility of these times is to empower you and equip you to say, go. I, I was reading something last night. And I was so moved by this. Why, why are we as a people waiting for a green light from God? We live our lives with a red light, waiting for God to give us a green light. And so we don't go anywhere for most of the time. But actually, according to my Bible, it's green light. Look for the red one. Are you with me? It's go. That was the command. Go. So we go. And if you look at Paul, he's like, I'm going to take it to Asia. I'm going to take it to Europe. I'm going to take it to Spain. I'm going to take it everywhere. I'm, I'm taking the gospel to the ends of the earth because he said go. And then the Holy Spirit says, nope, not that way. And he's like, okay, the Holy Spirit stopped me from going that way. So I'll go this way. Nope, not that way. 
Oh, dream, Macedonia, Macedonia, oh, Macedonia. But there's movement. God, He's looking for our yes. He's looking for the movement of your life. He's looking for your go. And He'll begin to direct that. And we have to trust that He'll lead us. If we're moving in a direction that's not Him, He will shift things. And He does it by speaking to us through the Word, into our spirit man, through people, through accountability in the church of having leaders and mentors and, and those who can speak into your life. Are you with me? It's like, I, I think what I can see is we've come out of a couple of years where it's like there's a crusty, moldy thing that's settled on the people of God. And Holy Spirit's like, I want to shatter that thing. I want to bring movement and mobility and breath back to the church. I want to bring life and strength and healing. Can, can you understand this, that there is nothing that's impossible for Him? There is no situation or circumstance you are in or facing right now that's impossible for God. So what's the disconnect? It's not Him. It's the flesh. Because it, it, it's not going to work coming to a Sunday gathering, singing the song, saying amen to the preach, waving our hands, putting on a show. But when we go back, we're still yielding to the flesh, following the ways of this world, not yielding to the Holy Spirit. We need supernatural encounters and touches from heaven in order to do this. You know, just to be honest, navigating this season and trying to lead 24-7 in this time, I'm at a place where I'm like, I don't even know what to do anymore. I don't know how to, I don't think there are, are, are answers that are methodical. I think the answer is we need Him. We need Jesus. We need to pursue Him. I cannot pursue Him for you, but I can invite you and say, let's run after Jesus. Let's go after Him with everything we have. He'll do it. He's going to build His church. And the scary thing for me is that building a church is possible without Him. But the church that He's building, only He can build. And if we do it any other way, we labor in vain. But you are part of that, and you're called to make disciples, and you're called to reach people, and you're called to represent Him, and to love people well. You're called to model something to your family, and to your spouses, and to your business worlds, and to whatever sphere of influence God's got you, and you're called to model the nature of Jesus. And it cannot be in your own strength. It has to be because the Spirit of Jesus is inside of me, and He wants out. Amen? When I look at the community of Antioch, some, somewhere in the next couple of weeks, I want to talk on the 12 characteristics um, of Antioch. And we've, you've heard us preach on that. We've spoken about it. We, we, we're really passionate about this because it's, it's a blueprint. But the beautiful thing about Antioch is that they were not a people that were mobilized for missions. They were mobilized for His presence. They, they set themselves apart to minister to the Lord, to worship and to pray. And in that environment, they created a context for obedience. They created an environment to hear the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit could speak to the church and say, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work to which I've called them. And actually, I want you to back them. I want you to take personal responsibility for regions and nations and for your city. And so they say yes to this, and it's beautiful because it's the first place where they're labeled and called Christians. They didn't get together, have a meeting, and decide we're going to be Christians. They were called that because of what they looked like. Christianity, the word Christian, was never the name of a religion. It was an adjective to describe a people. You look like Christ. When Barnabas goes to, to Antioch and he sees them, you know what he says? He recognized great grace upon them. That's what the grace of God does. It manifests Christ in and upon a people. That's the goal of what we're doing. We want to be filled. We want to be saturated and covered in Him so that we can say yes to all that He calls us to do. History records that in Antioch there was a season where they actually segregated people by race and religion and they built walls. And if you go there, you can actually see that they've got some of the ruins where these walls used to be and, and the Christians used to dig tunnels underneath to meet in each other's homes. Can I be so bold as to say that what we are going through now is not new? might look a little different. It's not new. The spirit of the world is the same thing on repeat. We're just watching it happen, and eventually it's going to crash. But I promise you, at that time, there were hardships and, and things that they were facing that we did not even understand. Yet, they dug tunnels and jumped walls and found ways to get into each other's homes because they were given to something. They believed in something. Right now, you are living in a world where everything around you is demanding your attention. It's demanding your faith. It wants you to believe in it. The fact that you get up and go to work every day shows that you believe that your job is going to pay you an income. Right? 
Imagine we went to gatherings, coffees, discipleship sessions, home group times with the same mentality. Imagine we actually went with an expectation that I'm engaging with something that I believe in and there's actually fruit to this thing. We're called to be peculiar. We're called to be weird and, and, and wonderful. I don't think it's okay that, that the world can look at the church and go, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool group of people who, you know, uh, when I've been to the, the gatherings, I just feel really comfortable and welcome and I, they didn't judge me, they didn't make me feel weird. Or, like, if that's, people's, if that's what people have to say about the church, it's like, no, I'm looking for a church where I can actually just feel accepted. This is not about being accepted by people. This is about the transforming power of the gospel that takes you from darkness into light. I don't ever, my heart is, I'm like, Lord Jesus, I, I, I really hope that, that certainly not for myself or my family or anyone that we lead, that when Jesus returns one day, that we get there and go, hey, nice to see you, Jesus. And I promise you, nobody will say that because you'll either be full of joy and rejoicing that he's here or you'll be full of regret. And the regret will not be because of your sin. It'll be because there was an invitation to walk with him. There was an invitation to know Him. The way you will know Him then, you can know Him now. He's inviting us into that place. I'm, I want to encourage you and say, don't settle for what life is saying to you right now. Because the world is speaking to you. Situation and circumstance is speaking. Your, your work environments every single day are trying to shape and define what you believe about who you are and who God is. Every day. You are not called to cope. You are not called to survive. You're not called to find a way through it. You are called to rule and reign in Christ. But I promise you now, ruling and reigning has nothing to do with material possessions. Nothing. Material possessions are a tool that can be put in my hand and taken out the next day, and I'm completely free from it. Ruling and reigning is the, the fullness of the person of Christ in me. I know Him. He knows me. And because of that, He's released on the earth. I shared on, on Friday at our worship gathering, we are called to be throne builders everywhere that we go because you carry Him inside of you. And so when you begin to exalt Him somewhere, you build a throne, an altar. You exalt Jesus in that place. And if, if I can say it like this, I, I'm reading a book and one of the quotes marked me. It said this, where God isn't worshipped, something else will be. And if you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I believe that, well, just have a look at the 1040 window. Five times a day, a demonic stronghold is exalted. And why are we seeing God move in such power in that region? Well, it's because a few people who can play four chords on a guitar found themselves in a room and started worshiping Jesus. And what it's doing is it's provoking a yes. The, the environment begins to shift. God begins to move. He begins to touch people. And suddenly evangelism is made easy because God's gone before you. Now, that's not, that's not God's strategy to reach the Middle East. That's God's strategy, period. Amen, Connor. That was fantastic. I'm very excited. I'm nearly done. Colossians chapter 3. We were going to do a scripture reading, but I wasn't sure what I was going to read, so... It definitely shifted this morning. Can I just say this very quickly? Just because you feel something or want something does not mean it's God. It sounds obvious, but I just want you to think about it for a second. We live in a time where we're trained with instant gratification. We're trained with, I want it now, I get it now. I'm too lazy to go to the shop, so I 60-60 checkers. It's here within 60 minutes or, uh, you know, whatever. So we live in that world, and I want to encourage you, sometimes it can shift our mentality to think that because I feel something or because I want something, that that must be God. It doesn't work like that. And, and the reality is the invitation to follow Jesus is first and foremost to deny yourself. Deny yourself. That's, that's pretty intense wording. 
pick up your cross or take up your cross and then follow him. And, and the Amplified it says daily. It's a daily thing. But you have authority in Christ to lead yourself. Before that, you didn't have a choice. You were stuck in the carnal man. You were stuck in the sinful nature. But now you've been, you've been separated from that identity. You've been freed in Christ. You have authority to lead your soul. I think I'm touching it now. Here we go. So, situation, circumstance, and hardship comes your way. What do you do? See, what's happening at the moment is majority of, of the church gets, gets really tense and uptight and stuck in those moments and we turn to ourselves to find a solution to fix something instead of giving it to Jesus every time. See, because we go like, well, you're just talking in these spiritual languages. What does that actually mean? You know, give it to Jesus. Well, it means exactly what it is. Let go. And our, our problem is not how do we do that. Our problem is we don't want to. And when we get to a place of, okay, Jesus, I'm letting go. I'm giving it to you. He can do things that we can't do with that stuff. He can take situations and circumstances do the most impossible, what seems impossible, what seems crazy and outrageous. God can do it in a moment. He, he will do it. So our responsibility is to set our gaze on Him, to follow Jesus, to live in intimacy and encounters with Him. Uh, last night, my family were at a, a conference with an amazing guy who ministers into the Middle East, and, and he said, uh, God wants you to be romantic with him. <laughs> and you're like, huh? Oh no, that's compy. That's weird. Why would God say that? No, that's what he wants. Because it's interesting. He didn't say he's coming back for his body or he's coming back for his church or he's coming back for a building. No, he said he's coming back for a bride. We are a body. We are a temple. We, we have those functions. And on the earth, we have a mandate. And it looks like something. But what he's coming back for is a people who are a bride. They are madly and deeply in love with Jesus. They are intimate with Him. They know Him. It's a scary thing. Some of the scriptures we read, you can do all these things, cast out devils, raise the dead, heal the sick, do all this stuff, and Jesus goes, I don't know you. That, that's sobering. It shows that, that there's, there's a season here on the earth for the work. It's called the Great Commission. We're called to do that. But the work's going to end. Intimacy won't. See, Jesus is going to fulfill the Great Commission. We co-labor with him to see his dream fulfilled, but he is going to do it. It's not a question. So when the work's finished, what's left? Intimacy. It's a bridal heart. It's a bridal people. He wants to know you. He wants to walk with you. So Colossians chapter 3 says, Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. For you died to this world, and your new life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So put to death and deprive of power the evil longings of your earthly body with its sensual, self-centered instincts, immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is a kind of idolatry because it replaces your devotion to God. You guys need to get Amplified Bibles. It is fire, right? But doesn't that, doesn't that rock you? Why is God so concerned about those things? See, we read them sometimes. We go like, yes, the Lord is after clearing you and getting you clean of all your sin. And, your, and it's like, no, there's a reason for this. Listen to what he said, because it replaces your devotion to him. He's after your devotion. He's after you. He's, he wants you. And, and the interesting thing is he says, he doesn't say deal with it. He doesn't say fix it. He doesn't say get yourself sorted out. He says put it to death. Um, because of these things, the divine wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. That's not you. Those who fail to listen and who routinely and obstinately disagree or disregard with God's precepts. And in these things you also once walked, past tense, when you were habitually living in them without the knowledge of Christ. So you can't be talking about you, just so you know. But now rid yourselves completely of all these things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, obscene uh, language from your mouth. Don't lie to one another for you have stripped off the old self with its evil, with its evil practices. It's, not yours, it's. Are you, are you with me? I hope I'm not losing you. 
and have put on the new self who is being continually renewed in true knowledge in the image of him who created the new self. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, nor between nations, whether barbarian or, uh, how do you say that, Scythian, Scythian, nor in status whether slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. That's the goal. Now listen to this. So as God's own chosen people who are holy, set apart, sanctified for His purpose, and well-beloved by God Himself, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper, bearing graciously with one another and willingly forgiving each other if one has a cause for complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so should you forgive. Beyond all these things, put on and wrap yourselves in love which is the perfect bond of unity, for everything is bound together in agreement when each one seeks the best for the other. Let the peace, this is prophetic over you right now, just take this. Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with Him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace indeed you were called as members in one body of believers. And be thankful to God always. Let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being as you teach spiritual things and admonish and train one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, no matter what it is in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence on Him, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is the invitation of the Father to us this morning. He's saying, this is what my people look like. They are a supernatural people. They are a force of love that is not our own love. It's the love of the Father. That Romans 5.5 5 says the Holy Spirit poured out the love of God into our hearts. Meaning when we love Him or we love others, it's from that place of being filled with Him. Are you with me? So I feel like there's a, a righteous, holy, wild, fierce impartation of freedom that God wants to give us this morning. And, and here's the thing, I can, I can get all excited and fiery and sweaty like I am. I'm dripping down my back, you have no idea. I can get all sweaty and, and oh, yeah, excited. But the reality is this, you get to choose for your life. You get to choose where you're going to position your heart. You get to choose what tomorrow looks like, not me. I have to choose that for my own life. But my encouragement today is that the invitation from the Father is that He has given you everything that you need to walk with Him. It's finished. Just say yes, just walk in that place of intimacy with Him. Amen? Will you stand with me? Sal, can we have someone on the keys? So my prayer this morning is that this time of sharing and preaching would provoke worship in you. See, I, I just, I'm coming to a place more and more. I'm not too concerned with whether you remember what I say because you need to go get in your own Bibles, right? Amen? Like, I don't read your Bible for you. You've got to go get into the Word and let the Lord change your heart. But what I am trying to provoke is that you'd seek Him. What I'm trying to provoke is that you, it, would, it would do something in your heart of like, this is who God is. I want to be with Him. So number one, my prayer is that when you leave this, this place today, what you really want is to go get into a place, a room with God, somewhere alone with God, and be with Him. And, and you need to, please hear me on this, you need to fight for that. You need to carve out the time. You need to, whatever decisions you need to make to, to make those shifts or adjustments, do it. Because it's just worth it. It's not a heavy, like, legalistic or, or routine thing. It's just, I don't know what Jess would feel like if, if I had to, you know, really work hard to, like, carve out time when I want to be with her or like she's got to actually book into my diary when she gets to see me or that's not what I'm talking about. I want to be with her. She wants to be with me. There's a bridegroom king and we're the bride and he wants to be with us and we want to be with him. And sometimes life gets loud and busy and crazy. You have to fight for that. You have to actually make decisions to go, actually, I have a higher priority than this thing that seems important and is screaming at me. No. It's like God wants to give you the gift of no so you can say yes. Amen? Amen? Can I just like, bless you with something and just maybe free you? You don't have to say yes to every work opportunity and project. You, I'll say it again. You don't have to say yes to everything that comes your way. Your yes is so valuable to God. He's jealous of your yes. 
sometimes what we need to do is learn to say no to things that would try to replace the yes in my heart to the Father. It is impossible to be in love with Jesus and not serve the bride. It's impossible to be in love with Jesus and not love His church and love His people. If your yes to other things is robbing you of intimacy with God and being a part of community, then I want to encourage you today, it's time to say no to the things that are trying to rob you of that. Amen? So first thing, intimacy. The second thing, it's kind of tied to it, but I, I really feel there's an invitation, regardless of whether it's in boiling hot rooms like this one or wherever it is, coffee shops, home groups. I know it costs every time. It costs us. To get together as believers, it's going to cost you, but it's worth it. There's not a single time that I've paid a price to get somewhere or, or connect with believers or get to home group, get to church. There's not a single time I've done that and walked away going, why did I even come here? Every time, if we yield to Holy Spirit, He fills us. So let the Lord provoke that in your heart and go, you're actually, you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to journey life alone. You don't have to go through different situations and circumstances alone. And you're not called to follow Jesus alone. We need one another because we're family. Amen? And then thirdly, I just feel like the Lord is giving us an impartation to say, you are supernatural. So this week, when you go into this week, have an expectation to see the supernatural power of the gospel at work in everything that you do. If you're in a situation that looks impossible, guess what? That's God's favorite place. Impossibilities, that's His playground. And the more we get to know God, the more we're going to look at the impossible and get excited. So will you lift your hands this morning? I want to just pray, Holy Spirit, for a divine impartation of freedom in this house, God. Freedom over every heart, over every life. And I just speak to every lie of the enemy that's taken root in our minds and in our belief systems. I speak to those lies and I say, you have no authority. And so we bring you right now into submission to Christ, into obedience to who He is. Every lofty thought that would try to exalt itself above the revelation of Jesus has to bow right now. And so I, I release freedom. Freedom is a person. It's not an emotion. It's a, it's a place. It's a state of being. God's called you to be free so you can run with Him. And the Father is welcoming us this morning. He's saying, run. Run into my arms. Run and dream with me. Run into the assignments I have for you. There's an adventure of life in Jesus. And He's saying, come with me. Let's go. So Father, would you touch our hearts, would you release an impartation right now of intimacy, relationship with Jesus, a heart for community and for making disciples and walking with you, walking with one another, and a confident expectation that we are a supernatural people. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask if This is what you want, Lord. I ask that you would even now tangibly come upon people. Some of you are just going to feel like that burden and that pressure just lift right now. Some of you will take a deep breath. It will be like you can breathe for the first time. Just let him touch you.